Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. Let's go ahead and, and pray together. Let's put our hands over our hearts. Oh, precious Jesus, we love you, we adore you. Lord, we come to you hungry tonight. We come to you to the table of the Lord with hunger, with passion, God. We just pray tonight that we would leave this house, we would leave this place saying, did our hearts not burn within us? Did our hearts not burn within us? So, Lord, we just pray that you would open up the scriptures, Lord. We pray that you would just possess every heart, God. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to fill every heart and every mind. In Jesus' name, let's all say amen. Amen. Well, I'm honored to be uh, speaking tonight. I'm going to be continuing our, our series that we started a few weeks ago on spiritual warfare. How many of you enjoyed uh, the last several weeks on, on warfare? And typically we as a, as a pastoral team, we kind of plan out our sermon series. And this series was not really planned. We just kind of unintentionally stumbled into it. We were, just became aware that there were many, many people in our body in this church that were experiencing unusual spiritual attacks, unusual levels of demonic warfare. And how many of you know it's uh, absolutely foolish for us as Christians to make the devil bigger than what he is and magnify him, but it is also just as equally foolish to ignore the season we're in and not call out an attack for what it is. And so the heart behind this series is not to live in reaction to the devil, but it's to live in response to the Father. <laughs> there are many believers, many even denominations and church cultures built entirely on reaction to darkness and not on response to the Father. How many of you know more gets accomplished in one moment of adoring him and responding to him than months, weeks, and days screaming at the devil, right? And so I want to say worship is always more powerful than warfare. Intimacy is always more powerful than our initiative. I want to say your song is more powerful than your fleshly sword. Your song is more powerful than your sword. James 4, 7 says this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Notice this scripture does not say react to the devil. doesn't say wear yourselves out, screaming at him all day. It says resist. Resist, and then the follow-up to that is draw near to God. The remedy that James gives us for spiritual warfare is resist darkness and draw near to the face of God. Draw near, draw near. If you're going through an attack right now, 
the most important thing you can do every day in warfare is find the face of Jesus. Find the face of the Lord. Find the silver lining of his presence in every season of warfare. Find him again. That's really my message. Find him again. <laughs> no, that's not the title, but um, I could just end it right now by saying, go find him again. Find his presence. Find the, the, the sweet moisture that's, that's in your heart, the, the same fragrance that you had the day you got saved. Go find him again. Remember your history with him and find him. I say it like this. Uh, true faith is not denying that a problem exists. It's just denying that problem a place of influence in our lives. <laughs> I want to say it again. Real faith, true faith is not just denying a problem exists. It's not just like, oh, I'm not, I don't, I don't receive that brother. I'm not going to, no, it's like you can, you can acknowledge there's a problem. Faith is not denying a problem exists. It's just, I'm not submitting to the lordship of this problem. <laughs> I am submitting to the lordship of one who is greater, one who is higher. I refuse to make this season of darkness the narrative of my life. The narrative of my life will be defined by the face of Jesus, by his presence. Every time I talk on warfare, I always like to bring this little nugget. Um, I want to go to Isaiah 59, 19. I think it's really important to uh, have a proper theology for warfare. There's a lot of wonky theologies out there when you get into spiritual warfare. And so I want to try my best uh, this evening before I get into the bulk of this message to just uh, set up a proper theology for spiritual warfare. Um, do we have Isaiah 59 ready to go? Awesome. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So I want to read this. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun right here. This is how many of us get our theology from, uh, uh, we get our theology and warfare from this scripture. And I've taught on this several times here, but I want to bring it up again. When the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the spirit of the Lord will lift up or raise up a standard against him. You can keep it up here. So here, here's something we need to know. <laughs> Punctuation is one of the most difficult things to translate from Hebrew into English. And so from what I've been told from my research, in the original Hebrew translation of this scripture, there is not a comma right here. <laughs> the comma is right here. So how we read this with the comma here, when the enemy comes in like a flood, it's like, oh no, the enemy's a flood. He's, this, the flood is coming up against me. The true way, the true biblical way to read this is like this. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I wanna say the enemy is not a flood in your life. There is a greater flood called the presence of God that is here to wash out any bit of darkness that could be attacking you. So I want us to have a theology of a big God and a little devil. <laughs> There's so many believers that have a theology of a big devil and a little God. And I just wanna say, before we get into anything on warfare, this is where we're fighting from right here. We're fighting from this place where Jesus has already conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. I wanna hit a few points really quick right now um, in prefacing warfare. I wanna, I wanna 
clear up a few misconceptions that we may have about warfare and just bring some clarity to it. So the first thing I want to say is, like I just said, we are fighting a defeated foe. I'm sure if you've been in church uh, for any amount of time, you've heard the phrase, we do not fight for a victory, but what? from a place of victory. In other words, we're heirs to the victory of Jesus. We're living in his inheritance. In the book of John, Jesus said that all authority has been given to him. That word all in Hebrew means all. That word all in Greek means all. In Spanish, todo means all. (laughs) If Jesus has all authority, I wanna say there is an enemy out there that has zero authority. All authority has been given to Jesus. This is like you bring in a gun to a knife fight. <laughs> a gun to a knife fight. All authority has been given to Jesus. Colossians 2.15 says this. He disarmed, listen to the language, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him and bringing defeat. So the devil... <laughs> has been disarmed and defeated. He has no arms or feet. Funny joke, funny joke. But this is where we're fighting from. Second, second thing I wanna hit. Warfare is a season, not a lifetime. I wanna say it again. Warfare is always intended to be a season, not a lifetime. If you're going through the valley of shadows right now, Keep going. There's an expiration date there. (laughs) One of the dangers in spiritual warfare that we can get into, uh, many believers fall into this trap, is that what was meant to be a season of darkness or a day of darkness, if we react to the enemy, it turns into months and years of darkness. King David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, did not say I make camp in the valley. Bible says it is a day of darkness, not a lifetime of darkness. I am convinced you can't make the day of darkness any shorter, but you can make it longer. We've all heard the story of the Israelites. 40-day journey turned into 40 years. I am convinced you cannot make your season of spiritual warfare any shorter, but you can make it longer based on how you either react to darkness or respond to the Father. Second thing on this, or third thing. When in warfare, watch over your spiritual diet. (laughs) When in warfare, watch over your spiritual diet. When you have a virus attacking your body, draining you of fluids, Most doctors will agree that you should up your intake of electrolytes. You need to watch what you're putting into your body. I want to say in warfare, the intensity of the attack on your life must match the intensity of your spiritual diet. What are you feeding your soul in a season of warfare? What are you feeding your soul? I've realized the fire of God in my heart, it doesn't come, it doesn't come by me just going through the motions and doing nothing. The fire of God in my heart is not a luxury. Listen closely. It is a responsibility. (laughs) There is a responsibility, and we need fire in our hearts more than ever, especially in seasons of warfare. What does this mean? This means maybe for this season, instead of what you do right before bed is scrolling on your phone looking through reels, 
Instead, feast on the word of God. Overdose yourself on scripture. Overdose your soul on the word of God, on his presence. All right, last thing I wanna preface, preface. Understand the difference between spiritual warfare and God's pruning process. <laughs> there is a difference between warfare and just the pruning process of God that we go through. Can we put up that slide? Many times we as believers, we mistake spiritual warfare for God's pruning process. And so I, I kind of want to do my best and uh, bringing some light to what is the difference? How do I know if I'm in a season of warfare or, not, or am I in a season of God's pruning process? Because sometimes the lines can be really blurred. And so spiritual warfare, obviously, it is not of God. Demonic in nature, anxiety attacks, depression attacks, sickness, uh, tragedy, trauma. It is used by the Lord. Notice, not created by the Lord. It's not originated from the Lord, but it is used by the Lord uh, like chess on a chess piece, on a chessboard. Used by the Lord to increase our anointing and spiritual authority. Typically, afterwards, after we get victory, new doors, new territory, new authority and anointing is released. See, there are some seasons of, of warfare that it's almost like sometimes I don't even have to lift my finger. I don't have to do a thing. God just kind of just says, you take a seat and I'll cover everything for you. I want to say in those seasons, the Lord is emphasizing my identity as a son. He's I, I, uh, emphasizing my sonship or your daughtership when he's just like, stand by and see my glory pass. It's like, oh, I'm a son. But there are other seasons of warfare when he wants me to get off the bench, get off the sidelines and come into the fight. In those seasons, he is emphasizing my authority and my anointing. He's establishing my authority. Lastly, spiritual warfare, clearly in Ephesians 6, is one through standing firm in the truth of God's word and in his armor. Now, God's pruning process is spirit-led. Notice it said... Uh, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tested. Spirit led. It displays God's glory and God's workmanship. And the intention of God's pruning process is to shape our character and grow the fruit of the spirit within us. It's to shape us in our character because if there are cracks in the foundation of our character and he wants to pour out everything he wants to pour out on us, then that thing will crush us in the next season. And so his goal is typically before a breakthrough season, there will be a crushing, there'll be a pruning because he's saying, uh, what is coming in the next season? If you, I were to give it here, it would crush you. So I wanna form integrity in you. I wanna form pillars in your heart so that you can hold and carry the favor and the glory that I wanna put on your life. What happened with jo uh, Joseph? He received the dream, got a prophetic word. Oh, I love prophetic words. What was the word? Oh, my brothers will bow down and serve me. What was the first thing he did? Hey, brothers, guess what? You're going to bow down and serve me. How many of you know that is a character issue right there? That is not humility. That is not meekness. So God's like, okay, I got to take you on this pruning process because there is a king in there that needs to come out. <laughs> I want to say there, are, there is kingship within us, but there is a process, a pruning process that God wants to develop character in us. 
right here. I want, to, I want us to get this. We cannot bind and loose and rebuke our way out of God's pruning process. No matter how hard you try, you're just going to wear yourself out and hurt yourself in the process. That is like trying to punch through a concrete wall. The best, thing to get, oh, the best way to get through his pruning process is to stay low and stay in love with him. Stay low. Stay low. You can't rebuke. You can't bind and loose your way out of that one. <laughs> Last thing. We get through pruning by abiding in Jesus, abiding in him. What is abiding? It's dwelling in him. It's being in his presence. It's by not only on Sunday mornings, but having a rhythm in his presence, have, building a history with him, building a reputation in heaven that he says, I can trust this person with my presence because he is available. He's hungry. He or she's hungry for me every day. I want to make a quick disclaimer, though. Sickness, disease, trauma, tragedy is never God's pruning process on your life. There's some Weird theology out there, and I just want to say sickness, death, trauma, cancer, that is straight from hell, and it is not from God. It is not intended to shape your character. That is a demonic assault. So just want to get that out of the way. All right. <laughs> so the title, if I could title this anything, I want to call this talk from fighting to feasting. I'll say it again. From fighting to feasting. Really, the whole premise of this, this message really comes from a sermon Pastor Bill Johnson spoke a few weeks ago. Um, this message really impacted us as a, as a staff. And then Pastor Nicole last Sunday actually ended service um, reading a scripture that I want to actually begin with tonight. And just by sharing a few little key nuggets that Pastor Bill Johnson brought out in this sermon. And so I'm going to kind of pick up where Pastor Nicole left off um, when she closed service last week. I want to read in Judges chapter 14. Verse five, it says, then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah. Jesus, we love you. I just feel the Lord right now. We love your presence. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, I pray right now that you would just set people free. Set people free from darkness, from bondage. Wow. It says, and behold, a young lion came toward him, roaring. Then the spirit of the Lord rushed on him. And although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. Jesus. Let's just put our hands up. I just feel the Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. I just feel the wind of his spirit right now. Jesus. Wow. Okay. Don't know what that was about, but I feel him. <laughs> it says, then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. Samson scraped it out into his hands and went on, eating as he went. He came to his father and mother and gave them some, and they ate. 
just to break this down, Samson is walking. It's a normal day. And out of nowhere, a lion comes and attacks him. And it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him or rushed upon him and he tore the lion to pieces. A few days goes by and he sees the carcass of the lion and he sees that there's bees in there. Not only that there's bees, but there's honey in there. He dips his hand and begins to feast on the honey. And the implication to this story, as Bill Johnson said, please listen. Some people are lacking strength and nourishment simply because they are running from battles in their lives. Most people want to be nourished before the war. However, God is saying that nourishment comes within the war. Your nourishment comes from within the war. All that to say to us this evening, who are facing warfare and attacks, there is spiritual strength from within the battle. Many times an attack comes on our lives. We get blindsided. And it's like, we're so cozy. We're just in complacency. And it's like, oh, I feel weakened right now. I don't have spiritual strength. The Lord is saying, don't wait until you get nourished to jump in the battle. Your food, your nourishment will come from within the carcass of your giant. Your food, your nourishment will come from within the giants. I never understood how urgent and why pregnant women need food so quickly until Emily got pregnant in March. (laughs) It's not a sermon without an Emily story, right? (laughs) I remember when she first got pregnant, this morning sickness would hit her. She would get so sick and so nauseous just out of nowhere. It would just hit her, and um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't go away until she had food, until she ate. And we ended up going to the doctor for our first appointment, and uh, we were telling the doctor how sick she's been getting, and just so much nausea, na- nausea is happening. And the, the doctor said something so, uh, just something that resonated in, in me. She said there's a fine line between Hunger and nausea. There's a fine line between sickness and hunger. She said, you're not really sick. You're just hungry. You just need to eat. And I I feel like for some of us in the room, you think you're spiritually sick. But in reality, you're just hungry. You just need to feast on the Lord. You just need a feast on his presence. You just need a good meal in his presence. You're not sick. You're not sick. You're just hungry. David said, you set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Tables are meant for feasting. So next few minutes, I want to give four ways to feast in warfare. Four ways to feast. Number one, feasting on scripture. I'm not sure how many of you here are uh, familiar with a woman named Joy Dawson. Raise your hand if you've heard of Joy Dawson before. She, uh, her and her husband founded an organization called YWAM, or Youth with a Mission. And uh, she said to many times before that when you are facing a demon, when you're in spiritual warfare, you're getting a demonic attack, hit the demon with four weapons. Number one, the name of Jesus. Number two, the blood of Jesus. Number three, the cross. And number four, what was number four? I gotta look at my notes, the word. <laughs> the word or the scriptures. And so I want to read 
an excerpt from Matthew chapter four. I thought, what better way to teach on warfare than to show how Jesus fought his battles? And so Matthew chapter four, what is happening here is uh, Jesus just had his greatest encounter with the Lord up to that point. Uh, he was baptized by John the Baptist, and we all know what happens. The heavens open, and the Spirit descends like a dove and says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so Jesus is coming right, at, right out of his greatest encounter that he's had with the Lord up to that time. And immediately after that encounter, he is sent into the wilderness. And so a few things to note right here. Life-changing encounters with God typically will attract temptation and testing in the wilderness. They will attract testing. They will attract temptation. Number two, God requires that the experience or prophetic word be tested because he wants to take that encounter you had, that word you have, and forge it into the DNA of your soul. And he can only do that through testing, through the wilderness season. And so what happens in Matthew chapter four, Jesus is... Uh, tempted by the devil. He's given all these scenarios, and each time Jesus responds with scripture. Please keep in mind that Jesus, after having his greatest encounter with the Lord, his greatest experience, he not once used his experience to fight the enemy. He used scripture. I want to say we need our experiences with the Lord. I'm the first one to sign up. Lord, give me a fresh encounter. However, Jesus never used his encounters to fight the devil. He used scripture. Please hear me very closely. I want to say the words, it is written, is more powerful than you hearing God audibly. It is written, is more powerful than you hearing God audibly audibly. If you want to win, get into the scriptures. Get into the scriptures. Get into the word of God. Get into the word. I want to read Joshua chapter one. It says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to what it says so that you will make your way prosperous. Notice the scripture doesn't say that God will make your way prosperous. It says you will make your way prosperous. I want to say many times we want God to do something. You want God to do something for you when he wants to do something through you. We want God to do something for us, but he wants to do something through you. There are some seasons of warfare when we want God to do all the work. And like I said, that's him emphasizing our sonship. But there are other seasons where he wants to, us to Get the fight from within us. And that's him emphasizing our identity as having the authority of heaven. Can I have keys come up? I feel like we need to go into worship. I want to talk about biblical meditation. The Eastern world usually talks about meditation as the emptying of the mind. The Biblical way to meditate is not the emptying of the mind, but it's the filling of the mind with the things of God. And the best way I can illustrate the filling of the mind with biblical med meditation, it's taking a scripture, and really the best way that I can illustrate it is like a 
cow. It's what they call chewing cud. How many of you have ever seen cows just grazing, just chewing over and over? And what they do is they chew, they swallow, they regurgitate it and bring it back up over and over again. And the goal is to extract every ounce of nutrients that they can from that measure of food. And so with biblical meditation, it's like taking Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts. My soul longs and faints for the courts of the Lord. It's not just like saying it once, but it's getting it over and over and over again into the DNA of your heart. How lovely is your dwelling place. Lord of hosts, my soul longs and yearns for the courts of the Lord. This is what biblical meditation does. Bill Johnson said, if we understood the power of God's word, we would declare it more often. If we understood the power of God's word, we will declare it more often. I'm convinced that the realm of the spirit, it moves at the speed of our speech and our attention. Speech and attention attract presence. Now, our words always host presence. Depending on the nature of our words, we can either host the presence of darkness or the presence of light. I said it before, if God is enthroned on our praise, darkness is enthroned on our complaining and our criticism. Our words always follow our affection. Our words always follow our affection. I said several months ago that witchcraft, <laughs> I say gossip is like witchcraft in diapers <laughs> gossip is like witchcraft in diapers why what is the what is the core of witchcraft it's to control and manipulate that's the core desire what is the core desire of gossip it's the desire to control and manipulate people's opinions I want to say to win in warfare there must be a cleansing of the mouth a cleansing of the affections Second thing I wanna say, second thing to feast on. Feasting on promises. 1 Timothy 1.18 through 19 says, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, by that by them you may wage a good warfare or fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. For many of us, when we get a prophetic word, we tend to treat it like, like a medal or like a trophy we put on our spiritual trophy cases. And I wanna say a prophetic word, as amazing as they are, they're not meant to be showcased on a trophy shelf. They're meant to be used in our arsenal to fight in warfare. Paul is saying, Timothy, your words, that is your weapon. Your prophetic words, go back and rehearse them. Go back and rehearse the word of the Lord. Your words are a weapon. It's not just a thing of like, oh, I listened to it once. It's a thing of like, oh, I'm reading it over and over again. If you want to win in the wilderness, win with your words. Feast on the word of the Lord. Feast on the word. Jesus. Third thing, feast on the cross. Feast on the cross. I believe the Lord right now is emphasizing. It's what we're about to go into right now, worship. He's emphasizing the lost art of holding on to the horns of the altar and not letting go. 
until he touches us, not letting go until we walk away with the limp. This is the way of the cross. This is the crucified life. I wanna say you are most alive when you are most dead inside. You're most alive when you're most crucified. You're most alive when you're most sacrificial. Feast on the cross, feast on the cross. Number four, feast on God's beauty. And here's where I wanna end. Psalms 27, four. This scripture at face value, it doesn't seem like it would be a scripture on warfare. It's looked at as a scripture on worship, but the context of this verse is David surrounded by enemies. It says this, Psalms 27, one. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army, a camp around me, my heart shall not faint. He says this, one thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Later on, he says, I hear you say of me, Lord, seek my face. And his response is, your face, Lord, I will seek. And I just feel like we need, need to end tonight seeking his face, seeking his face. I said at the beginning, in warfare, the enemy will attempt to make trauma the narrative of your life. He'll attempt to make sickness the narrative of your life, to make warfare the narrative of your life. And what David is saying here, He's saying, I refuse to make darkness the narrative of my life. The narrative of my life will be, I will seek the face of Jesus. I will seek the beauty of God. I will seek his presence all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.